All right, so I'm going to rattle off all the cool things going on. Uh, All of these will be on the website at hilltopyoga.com. May 14th, our friend Dixon will come play live uh, from 12 to 2. This will be a vinyasa class while he plays. If you're curious about how he's going to fill the room, please look on Instagram at Dixon's Violin. He's amazing. We are opening our second location in Wicker Park, Chicago. So all of you in the Chicago area look forward to, uh, yeah, giving you that second space. Really excited. It's looking like the middle of May. Just check the website for opening date. May 21 and 22, I will be in St. Joseph, Michigan at Yoga Life Workshopping. You'll have an opportunity to do four workshops there with me. So check out her website yogalife.com. Um, and then June teacher training begins. So 200 hours with me. This is in person Chicago. So jump in, uh, on the website has all the information that you need to apply. I'll hopefully see you soon in class. Shanti. Hello and welcome to All Things Yoga. I'm Hilary Lockwood. I am here with someone I have known for, oh my God, more than half of my life, (laughs) Annie Carpenter. Hi, how are you? Hey, (laughs) so good to see you. And I can't believe it's it's taken us this long to get here, but here we are. (laughs) Yes, it's so good to see you too. I always get very sweetly nostalgic when I see your face on Instagram or anywhere. You're you're like my yoga family. Yeah. Yeah. The family has shifted and we've lost a few great ones, but we carry on, don't we? Yeah, we do. So I, I don't know if a lot of people know your backstory and how you found yoga in the first place. So can you just give us a little bit of that? Cause it's important. <laughs> okay. Well, the real story, which, uh, I only tell some people, so keep it a secret, <laughs> is I really did have a little bit of a, um, of a drug problem when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was mostly marijuana, but you know. Anyway, um, my parents sent me to this after school thing and uh, when I was in high school and we did yoga. And I, can't, I can still remember my first Shavasana. And you know, I'm already, I'm already dancing. I already had the physicality going, yep. but yep. it was the Shavasana where I was still and it was silent and I felt safe and deep. And frankly, for me, it wasn't, you know, the handstands or the this or the that, it was the Shavasana that Beautiful. was like, and I'm also a birder. And those of us who are birders, we talk about our spark bird, which is the first bird you see that was like, oh my God, I love birds. I could be watching birds forever. And <laughs> it was the same period of my life when I was in high school and it was a prothonotary warbler and I'll just never forget it. And it was the same with the Shavasana. Um, And honestly, there haven't been that many Shavasanas that have been that good. (laughs) A few, but um, how it gets us. It was the Shavasana that got me. (laughs) So you started practicing in high school. Yeah. 16, 15, how old? Uh, I was probably 16, something like that. Yeah. Oh my Um, goodness. And I I mostly continued. I mean, I've always had a practice, even though it wasn't my work, because in my Mm -hmm. 20s, I was in New York actually dancing. 
for a living. But I did at the end of the day, I would go home, which was West Village, and I would go to Integral Yoga and study with Swami Satchidananda and his crew. And so that was very, I don't know if you know that practice, but it's a very soft physical practice. It's a very deep spiritual practice. And and it really was my refuge because for me, I mean, as much as I love dancing, I hate competition and I would I would feel um, depleted, you know, at the end of the day, because it was just like, when am I going to get it replaced? I'm not good enough. You know, all those things. Yeah, I do. I danced for Debbie Reynolds studio in LA and we got weighed in before rehearsals. Every day? Uh, Every rehearsal. Yeah. And if you were over, if you were over, you didn't rehearse. I mean, it feeds the mind a lot of bad shit. (laughs) A lot of bad shit. Yeah. Yeah. But just that quality of not enough and whether that's skinny enough or leg goes high enough or on the beat enough or she's better than I am, you know, all those things. And it's taken me a lifetime of yoga to really unwind. I'm going to say most of it (laughs) because from time to time, there's a little something creeping in. Always. When did you know, when did the shift happen where you knew that this was going to be your work? Um, You know, it was, it was Monty, you know, I went, uh, I was at this point, I was teaching dance at a university and we had the summer off. And we, uh, my partner at the time, my husband at the time, wanted to do a, a master's degree in dance at UCLA. And I said, great, I want to go and study. Frankly, with Chuck was the, the one that yeah. everyone had said, you got to study with Chuck. Yeah. And I went, and it was the summer and they had their training. And back then this was pre-Yoga Alliance, right? This is the 90s. And right. so the, the training was not a 200, it was six weekends. <laughs> so yes. I don't know how long, that's probably hundred hours, maybe less. Um, but anyway, at the end, Monty said, oh, you should stay. I can give you a job. And literally I quit my university gig. My husband and I had been breaking up for a while. So I, I just moved to LA uh, that back then that was the middle nineties. And, um, and it happened really fast. You know, it was a different world. There weren't, there weren't a lot of yoga teachers. Right. Um, it was growing rapidly, but it was still pretty small. And I, you know, I was just lucky timing. Um, I was there. I was yeah. there with you. You yeah. were like one of the head honchos. <laughs> you, we were scared of all of you. <laughs> <laughs> we were I'd be like, Shh, they're walking by. <laughs> like, <here they> come. <laughs> yes. oh. Because I, I mean, I, was there for 13 years and yeah yeah, it was late you know mid late 90s that I was you say that too it's like the the timing of who was there at the time is so crazy Mm -hmm. I mean everyone came through those doors Mm -hmm. it's just she did to have this magical knack of she was so bossy (laughs) of pushing us to continue and to teach in the most beautiful way. Um, but she was, I mean, I don't want to diminish that. We're talking about Mati, by the way. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't want to diminish that, but I also want to highlight the fact that she was an incredible businesswoman. And, you know, we don't oh, yeah. see that in our world. I mean, I think you have some of that. I don't, I would yeah. never run a studio, <laughs> um, <laughs> but she did. And she could see our potential certainly as teachers in the beautiful sense of the word, but also in the sense of success for her. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Which is amazing. It is amazing. Um, when you when you started to teach, did you just go full force? Were you teaching like 14 classes a week? And, or did you slowly trickle in? 
well, you know, at that point, that well, just that first year, I had a grant from um, where I had to, been teaching yoga. I had a state grant to to do a, a last choreography, and it was the last choreography I ever made. Um, and it was um, it was a really fun one because it was I used pedestrians. We did we opened in a church, and we mostly did sun salutations. <laughs> and in the church and then we moved to a cemetery midday and then we finished that evening in the theater and it was so it was like a pilgrimage you Um, did a flash mob i did a flash mob moving from site to site and so i had this grant so i had to go back and forth to fulfill that grant so i had some many money coming in for that first uh, maybe six months so that helped a lot but like everybody else you know what i I did a lot of privates you know yeah privates back then so yeah um, yeah, it was, was a mix, but as far as I was concerned, <laughs> I was making more money than I did at university within a year or so. It was crazy. Yeah. Yes. It's beautiful. You know yeah. what it's meant to be. Yeah. So in the process of your yoga, I mean, you know, I've I've seen you throughout the years just over and over in different places. And once I moved back to Michigan, I would have to try to get you guys to me because uh, even though I was out there a couple of times a year. Um, we did a Midwest yoga conference one year together. Do you remember this? Yes. Um, I would always bring people into your class. Your class is one of the hardest classes I've ever taken ever hands down. And what do you mean hard? What do you mean hard? Well, it's really interesting because I feel like that's changed, right? A little bit. I mean, a lot. (laughs) it, It used to, we used to move. I think all this happening to all of us that have been around for a long time, but Um, you know, we used to move more quickly, but you've always had that knack of holding. I remember you picked on me once and you said, I came out of something too quick. And you said, you said, I don't know who you belong to, but you're coming out of your postures too quick. And I was like, I I said, I belong to you. What are you talking about? Um, You've always had this lovely knack of what I like to call juicing the posture I'm just keeping us there long enough to actually feel and find the magic. When did that sort of, because you're, you have a whole niche. When did you feel like you found your voice and your pace separate from your teacher and your teachers? That's a really sweet question. Thank you for asking that. And I don't know if I can pinpoint it like I can that for Shavasana, but I will say that, um, when, when I was getting to the point where asana was, ne- was never eclipsed even still, but when my meditation and my pranayama practices became at least as important. So I yeah. had to find ways to be still and in so doing, I had to, um, you know, butt up against my obstacles. My, my, yeah. the, the thing inside of me that said, move or else, move or you'll die, move or you'll feel pain, move or all the things. Yeah. Um, which made me a great dancer. And, you know, asana came fairly, fairly easily and and with great joy for me. Um, And so as I stepped into the other limbs, if you will, um, I I had to wrestle with that. And and it felt necessary, important, deep, mostly good, not always good, but mostly good. Um, And I think that without realizing that I was applying my lessons to my students at that time. I mean, I do now. Um, I think that's what was happening is I said, no, we can, we can flow through this, frankly, you know, anything forever. But if we don't pause and really look at the view, both the outer view and the inner view, then uh, 
I don't know that we'll really grow in the directions that I want to grow. And I think most of us want to grow. So I think it was, it was that. Um, and I frankly do believe still, and hopefully for always that there are many, many paths to get where we're going. I'm not trying to imply that everybody has to sit on a cushion sure. all day long for 20 years to get there. I, I mean, I do think you can, you know, stand under the right tree for yeah. <laughs> long periods and get the same thing. Um, yeah. But, but, and uh, I think wrestling with stillness and the things that make stillness hard is a, a big part of that path. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. I, you know, I feel like answers are found in meditation because our heads are so busy and so loud. And mm -hmm. um, what is your quickest way in? Do you feel like pranayama or meditation is your quickest way? You know, when I say in, just into that place of self that we are, we're students for always, even if we're teachers for always. So what do you find is your quickest way into that place of quiet for you? Yeah, the big, the biggest transition, uh, I call that interiorizing. <laughs> but you know, I've read a couple of books lately that are using the word interoception, which is, uh, you know, kind like of sense that. withdrawal, I think you and I might use that word instead, but that's, that's what, that, yeah. it's all the same, right? So yes. interiorization for me probably is uh, the, the breath, the breath has become like this, almost always, I can count on that portal to go in. Um, but I also, I have to tell you over the last number of years, I've re-embraced a practice that I did in college, which was Feldenkrais. Do you know the Feldenkrais mm -hmm. work at all? I do, yeah. yep, yep. So he was in, he was teaching in the summers at the college I was at when I went to school. And I got to study with him when he was, you know, obviously still alive Amazing. and not that old. So um, it's interesting as I have aches and pains and, and things, uh, some things I have to, so we just say set aside, right? There's a few yes. poses I don't do anymore. Um, yeah. The Feldenkrais has been a nice little, uh, another path of interiorization and, and sort of healing um, that I've re-embraced. So um, yeah, quiet, slow, um, yeah. simple breathing, very quiet, slow movements. Some of those eye patterns are really help helpful for me too. Yeah. So in the space of your own practice, and I'm, you know, I'm glad you brought this up too, you're doing a, uh, I, I'm feeling like it's going to be an ongoing thing that you do, but uh, menopause and yoga, this is so important. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it's so pushed to the side and the body changes so dramatically. Mm -hmm. So what led you, I mean, besides the fact that we're, you know, we're both there, what led you to the fact that this needs to be something that's spoken about out loud and taught to? I don't even know if I ever got there. I mean, I think after I started talking about it, I needed to talk about it. Other people said, yeah. well, thank goodness, because no one's talking about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and, you know, I remember my mom, you know, who my mom would turn 100 this year, I think, um, if she were still with us. Oh. You know, she had gazillion children and then she had, they yanked all of her parts. So she had that instant right. menopause. And right. so who knew what she was going through, but she certainly didn't talk about it. So, you know, it really has changed um, how we go through it. Now, most of us go through it naturally. Um, yeah. And um, I have to tell you, so for me, it was like young 50s. So that it was 10 years ago when it, mm -hmm. when it was, I was in the throes of it. Um, and I think for me, it was the menopause, the lack of sleep, the kind of hot, flashy, yeah. kind of bitchy, 
frankly, yeah. <laughs> quality of I'm my in life it. that helped me get out of a studio situation that I was in, in which I was miserable and not didn't feel appreciated. Sure. And in so doing said, okay, Annie, that's not the kind of yoga you believe in anyway. And help me say, okay, well, so what do you believe in? And literally right. the creation of smart flow yoga. So that's 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was, it was really a fabulous kick in the ass. And really just cause I had so little energy, I just said to me and to all those around me, I have time for this. This isn't meaningful. I'm moving yeah. towards what's meaningful done. Beautiful. So it's been great for me. Yeah. <laughs> Not easy. Yeah, never, but never right. easy. You are, um, you're kind of known as, as the, the scientist of the anatomy of the practice, just in general. And that, I mean, you know, we were all given this beautiful anatomy tool, which comes from Iyengar, straight from Iyengar. And I also use that same language. I think that's why we're so, those of us that came from that time and that place where we gravitate toward each other, because the language, no matter how we divert in our own voice, that language still feels familiar and safe. Um, but you've really taken that to such beautiful heights. I mean, nothing is more important than keeping the students safe in the room, period. And as yoga teachers, you can't do that without knowing something about the anatomy of the body and teaching that as part of training your programs, et cetera. So will you elaborate a bit on that and why it's so important to you? I'd be happy to. And yes, I happen to be sort of that geeky mind that loves that stuff. But I am going to add one more thing. And that is our beloved teacher, Mati, yes, who hated anatomy and who would completely disagree with what you're saying. <laughs> Just saying, because I'll never forget. This is, uh, I don't know. I think I had already maybe assisted a couple of trainings with her. And I remember her, she called me up one night. She was preparing the lesson for the next day for the trainees. And she says, okay, can you talk to me about what that shoulder thing is? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, are you sure? She said, just a little. <laughs> and it was just, you know, part of me went like, yes. And part of me went like, you know, Mate, you don't need that. You know, because she did make everyone safe and they were, uh, you she know, did. so I, I'm not going to say 100% we need that, but it's a, it's a very special teacher who can who can do that without that understanding that you and I both love. Yeah. Um, you yes. know, I did pre-med anatomy when I was in college. So I just had that geeky thing, just part of my dance program. Um, so from the beginning, I've always had it. And, and I don't know, I just, if any, over the years, any student who's had an issue, I just looked it up and dug in and did the research and just over the years, you know, I mean, I've done more anatomy courses over the years, but I just, you know, I think all of us, if we really are interested and it's fascinating. Um, it's fascinating. The body is right? amazing. Yeah. yeah, then um, just keep, you know, if, if you're right now, if someone's listening, who's a young teacher, just every time you hear someone say, oh, this bothers me when I do that, look it up, do look the research. Up. I mean, we have Google now. I, we didn't have Google when I was young, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right? I still make them buy the anatomy coloring book though. They can't use Google. <laughs> right on, you know, and, and that's because we're movers and moving the hand and looking at color, yes. those things help. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's so helpful. And, and it makes me feel like I have a, a more solid ground to stand on when I'm talking about the physical body and For what sure. it needs and what it likes and what it doesn't like and all those things. So yeah, I love anatomy. I think it's great. 
Yeah, I thought the body is absolutely amazing to me. Mine's been through so much. Like it's my body fascinates me. That, that you going. keep coming back. <laughs> it's almost like back. Hillary's saying, bring it on. <laughs> I'm done. No more. I'm done. I'm done. Please, no more. But you just reminded me that the anatomy in my program was taught by Lisa Walford. It was not right taught on. by Matthew. <laughs> she, was, she was like, I'm taking the afternoon off. Yeah. Um, you do smart flow tra uh, trainings all the time, it seems. Um, so let's talk about this because you and I kind of brushed on it before we began. How are you feeling about this idea of teaching virtually only? Yeah. Um, okay. So I will say that I was almost getting pretty comfortable with it now, what is it, over two years now. Um, yeah. And then I just got back from a short teaching trip where I was in London for a week and then Vienna for a week um, doing some modules. And uh, it was just so glorious to be in community and, you know, being welcome to touch people and help them. Yes. All the things, conversation as a community, all those things. Yeah. Um, so now I'm like, I hate Zoom. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but I will say, um, I feel like I get got better at it. I feel like kind of finding a way to connect over these tiny little tiles that we look at each other through. Uh, it got yeah. better. Um, but yeah, in terms of leading trainings, which is a whole different thing from teaching classes for me, Absolutely. I stopped, full on stopped leading the 200s because I felt like at that, if you haven't had a 200 where you got to look at bodies and learn and right. do hands-on adjustments and see variations, feel, try on different things in your own body, I, I just, I don't think you can start to teach without that. And while yeah, I said I, that to I someone, you, you agree, right? But I, I talked I to someone who said, well, if all they're teaching over Zoom, then what's the difference? And to me, no, it's not the same. It's, it's hard. You know, I added a virtual program this year and it, it didn't go, which I was very happy about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. All my in-person trainings have gone since the beginning of COVID. So we had our 200 begin, then COVID happened and we were shut down and we all kind of voted masks separated in the room and my trainings are pretty small you know I have a small space this first one in Chicago so there were like six of us um and we just decided to do it and they continued through to 500 and then to 750 so I had this crew just kind of travel with me through this whole thing and it was really lovely that mm. gave us bodies to use for our virtual classes because we were still trying to offer a schedule and have a body as a demo um, but it also kept us in that place of feeling like we still had some community and each other. And mm. I don't know, I feel like so much of that was a saving grace because we need each other. Yeah. It's hard to not be around your people. Yeah. Um, I, and I, you know, I am in studio all the time. And so that, that was a very difficult separation from my spaces. Um, you're back in studio in uh, Oakland though, right? Yeah, I'm starting back um, again. I mean, this is, I think this is the third time of starting sure. back and then it was yeah. safe for a month and then we went back to Zoom. And so we'll see how this one goes. Um, yeah. You know, I'm just trying not to take it on too much, the, the back and forth, the ups and downs of it. 
Um, but I will say that I did keep the 300, my uh, advanced modules going. And some of them obviously did better than others, like my the module on um, sequencing, I call some chroma. Yeah. Uh, that one did better because that, while we did have practice in the morning, it was mostly discussion in the afternoon. Um, while there's another one, um, the Samas Hadana training, that one, I canceled because it's all about practice and it's all about yeah. looking anyway, you know what I'm talking about. So some things I found did work and I kept them going and then other things didn't work. So have you added everything back in? You're, you're, you're pretty much full force going at this point. Yeah. This summer, um, I will do the three primary modules in person. If all goes well, listen, I'm ready yeah. to, you know, have it, be shut down if if it need be but yeah, yeah this not, this yeah. will be me back if if all goes well good 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 i hope so yeah, we'll see i hope that's the plan <laughs> that's does the that plan. mean that you're gonna be uh touring <laughs> yeah i mean right now the only other thing i have booked um lisa wants me to come to la probably over the summer i'll do you know two days and i'm supposed to go back to us you know i have an ongoing relationship in sydney and melbourne in Australia and that's that'll probably happen in late November but I don't have anything else planned so yeah we can talk yeah beautiful yeah um with the way that you have come into and sort of through this practice do you think that there's ever going to be a point where you uh write your yoga story in a book <laughs> <laughs> I have had conversations with two editors <laughs> of large public right. saying, Annie, are you going to write the book or not? <laughs> um, it's hard. I, it's, you know, I'm a, I'm a doer, not a sit down and talk about it. Um, you know, this, this is great for me, this podcast thing. Thank you very much for this. Yeah, yeah uh, of course. Because it, a conversation is lovely for me. Um, but uh, we'll see. I, I'm not going to make any promises, but I'd like right, to. Think so. No promises. <laughs> I, I would like to. I would like that. Thank you. What would you um to new teachers that are coming up and out? What is the what do you feel is one of the most important things for them to know or hold to, especially if they're, you know, I I like to call them true teachers, teachers that really want to hang on to the integrity of the practice and not just bounce around. What is what is your piece of advice? You know, it's it's. I love how you how you um, contexted. Is that a word? How you put this in context? Yeah. Um, because you know, there's two things. I mean, the first thing is just keep your practice going. Because if you don't have your own practice, whatever it looks like, even as it changes, um, sure. you don't have anything to talk about. Right? It's just that simple. You have nothing yeah. to say if you're not practicing. So yes. keep your practice. After that, everything else is second. Um, and, you know, I've been having more and more discussions, you know, online, but also like in uh, Vienna, I did a module on communication skills for the teacher and which is a really interesting topic and yeah. really highlights how much we need to process the difficult things <laughs> and awaken to the ways we can be more clear of who we are so that we can be more clear in relationship to our students. Yeah. Um, so that piece is really important to me. And one of the things I've been emphasizing is, yes, know the yoga tradition so that you can choose that which continues to serve you as your practice yes. matures. Boom. Yes, beautiful. 
Yeah. Know the traditions, learn the traditions without fail. Say yes. Even if you're thinking, wait, is it smart? You know, learn it, try it on, know what it is. And then, and who knows when then is some of us might get there in 10 years, took me 30 or 40 <laughs> you know, before I could say, but wait, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. But you know what? And I, I quote him all the time. I remember this. You may have been in this workshop. It was in the 90s at Main Street when Richard Freeman was doing an Ashanga workshop. And I think yep. you were in Ashanga then too. <laughs> I, I was, yeah. Uh, and someone <laughs> said, I think, you know, we were all, is he doing the fifth series? Is there the fifth, you know, all that stuff. Right. right. And someone said, what's the most important pose? And you know, Richard, and he paused and you know how he gets really slow and quiet. And, <laughs> and he says, well, I'd like to think it's Tadasana. I, he probably said Samastiti, right? But yeah, I'd Samastiti. like to think that it's that one day, the only pose I'll need is Samastiti. And I, I just, I can't tell you how often I think about that statement. I should write him. Yeah. I just, you know, yeah, because what I'm getting to in my 60s is that why make it harder? <laughs> right. Why can't right. I learn the lessons from the simplest things rather than having to make it the most complex set of whether it's asana or the most technical, you know, pattern of pranayama or all the things. Right. Um, and why can't I learn the lesson from the simplest thing? Why, as Martha used to say, choreography, that's full. This is what Martha would say. Look, it's either right, left, or together apart. That's it. <laughs> Nothing complicated. <laughs> paraphrasing, but you get the idea. Yeah, I love that Same though. Thing. Yes. You know, yes. are you hopping on one foot? Or are you stepping from one foot to the other? That's choreography. <laughs> right. And uh, it's not rocket science. And why no. do we think we should make it rocket science? Because we love to make things so much harder than they have to be. It's just built into us for whatever reason. You kind of touched on that idea of processing. And I think about trauma always when I think, you know, when I hear that <clears throat> phrase and we all know that the trauma is held in the body and taught, told, shown equals guilt, blame, shame, you know, and all of that goes in and sticks. And so it's how do we crack ourselves open enough, but then open the doors and windows for the students to say, maybe the way they crack open is asana. Maybe the way they crack open is pranayama. Maybe it's meditation. But I mean, you said that in a really, really beautiful way. Like how do we learn to come inside and keep it simple and get to the thing, the real thing? Yeah. Because we'll keep throwing garbage on top of the real thing and spend class time dealing with the stuff we've thrown on top of it instead of dealing with the thing, the, thing. the actual root. And I want to add one more thing to this, and this has been a pet peeve of mine in the last few years, is that I actually believe that inherently the way we have learned yoga is a really um, unhealthy hierarchical system in which women are so underrepresented. Yeah. That, and this hierarchy yeah. insists that someone male decide what's best, what's advanced, what's not advanced, what you have to do first before you do the next, all of those things, which have nothing to do with us developing our own intuition. 
Absolutely. And well, if we're I mean, not doing that as teachers, then something is missing big time. Yeah, then we're in trouble. I mean, I love Ashtanga, don't get me wrong, but that's made for a man's body. Yep. And that guess is who, not made for a female body. decides what you're ready for. You don't. Not in my house. <laughs> well, good for you, but you know, not, not how I learned it growing up. No, me either. But you know, and when I teach primary series, we play and we laugh and we get through it and people modify and they use props. I always sort of throw my hands up to the sky and go, Mati, I'm doing this because you made me feel like it was okay. <laughs> you know, because he, she went from that same space to then teaching more like an Iyengar teacher with well, that's all what the she was doing and all that. Yeah, yeah. All the props and all the and so I don't know. I don't believe in dogma one way or the other. I feel that we as women, because we practice, and I don't know, I don't know if there are more women in the United States practicing than men. It doesn't matter. There but are. <laughs> the whole of they're probably right. The whole of yoga is that everyone should be able to do yoga. None of that matters. It shouldn't matter whether you're male, female, whether you're what size, which none of it should matter. And I think that's what we get away from in these, I want to be gentle. I'm not usually, so it probably still won't come out that way. But <laughs> in these bounce around practices that aren't taking time to sit them quietly first and say, shed your day, get rid of the day first, or not teaching Shavasana when that's how you wrap up the practice and you absorb. I, I don't know. I, I'm... I don't believe in dogma, but I do believe in the, the integrity of the practice. And I want to believe that we, that's what we're now teaching people to do. Because isn't that our job now? I mean, it yes. is, right? Yes, yeah. it is. I and and where we draw those lines, you know, where it's to me, I see life as a continuum. That's what SmartFlow is all about. And on one end, we have dogma. And somewhere close to there, we have tradition. And on right. the other it end, we have, it doesn't matter. And I don't like that extreme either. No, and either. somewhere in the middle, we have the development of intuition and the interior yet ongoing shifting knowledge of what is true for me today. Yes. And playing with that continuum and me encouraging my students to play through that continuum so that they know what's Absolutely. True, not me. Yes. That's the yoga. Yes. The truth is the truth is the truth until it's the big truth. I, um, I love that when people, my teachers are all trained the same way and yet they all sound different. They all have their own voice and their own little niche in the way that they teach. And, you know, we do teach intuitively. They don't come in with a plan. They don't have a sequence ahead of time. We really try to read that room. That's hard. That's scary as a new teacher mm -hmm. to be thrown into a room and say, just let it build itself, see what happens. But it is that intuitive piece. And it's learning to trust that, mm -hmm. which allows us to trust it in our lives for ourselves. Yeah, and all the things, not just on the mat or on the cushion, in all the things. All the things. Yeah. Um, I could talk to you for six hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, we will wrap up fairly soon, but uh, is there anything that you really want to touch on? Is there anything that you feel you want to put out there or ask me anything? Well, I, I don't know. I, I actually do. I, I, 
you know, the longer we wreck this planet and the longer we continue to put too many people on the planet and not care in the ways that uh, I think we should or could, let me say, let me drop should, but could care. Sure. You know, I do believe that if we really look at why we do yoga, I think the word ecology almost says the same thing. Yeah. Because on my good days, when I'm really dropping in, as we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. uh, I know that I am not different from that little spider in the corner, right. <laughs> you know, that my right. tank wants to get. Yes. And I'm not different from even the bacterial infections, you know, that are scary. I, all the things, yeah. I'm the same as yes. you, you are the same as me. Yeah. Uh, you know, that life itself, whatever has that pulse that we may not be able to name, um, that is me. That is the union. That is the true and eternal. That is what's real as opposed to not real. And as I know that and trust that, why wouldn't I take care of this planet? Right. Why wouldn't I stand up for, you know, you decide. For me, it's the birds and the things they need to live. For somebody else, it's the sea turtles. For you. Are you with me? But yeah, absolutely. Can we get off our effing thrones and know that humans are not the top of the food chain? We're just one of many. No better, no worse. That, that to me is the message yoga has given me and continues to give me. I want that to get out in the world. Yeah. I wish that was something we'd be able to change overnight. And it's absolutely not. Well, we can but change it. Every little choice. Absolutely. Yeah. Every little choice matters for yeah. sure. You are so beautiful and I absolutely <laughs> love you. And I don't want you to go anywhere. Um, I am going to end the podcast, but I want you to stay for a minute because I want to say goodbye to you my own way. <laughs> Probably I'm going to cry a little. <laughs> well, this has been a so great I'm, pleasure for me. I'm so glad that you were on. I'm going to have you on again. I hope that you do this again. And I want to see you in person. Um, so as far as all things yoga, we are going to say goodbye to Annie. Thank you so much. Um, so my pleasure, we'll Hillary. Namaste. Thank you. Namaste.